Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. It is I, the man who is everywhere, Mr. Ubiquitous, the king of D.C. media, internationally known, nationally recognized, and locally respected. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. The show is sponsored by the column D.C. Actors Examiner, where you'll find many informative articles about the acting business. To find it, simply Google DC Actors Examiner. And by the way, if you like what you hear on the show, you can donate to keep uh, us on the air. And you can do that by going to www.gofundme.com. That's www.gofundme.com forward slash LGIK9 and the letter O. LGIK9 and the letter O. Tonight's guests are the director and to the stars of the upcoming TV series, Outbreak Zero. That is director, producer, co-writer Thomas Scott Jr. and rising stars Dora Marie and Kenny Rock, who is the brother of legendary comedian Chris Rock, who plays DJ Simplistic. Yes, indeed. Now, Outbreak Zero is a TV series uh, set in a post apocalyptic America where black people become the new majority in the wake of a viral epidemic. The producers of the film are uh, running a fundraiser at Indiegogo.com and to find out more about that, you just go to Indiegogo.com I-N-D-I-E-G-O-O sorry, G-O-G-O Indiegogo and search for Outbreak Zero and that money will be used to shoot the pilot. And I know they've already shot a sizzle reel, and it's really hot. So, come on, I've got the, uh, the director and one of the stars, Dory, on the line here. So let me just uh, bring on Thomas and Dory. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Hey, Hello, we right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Okay, uh, I also have... Uh, I have Kenny Rock with me as well. Hey, Kenny, how you doing, man? Fun of yourself. <laughs> All right, let's go, let's go. Okay, so uh, Thomas, I'll throw this out to you. 
uh, how did the concept for uh, Outbreak Zero come to be? Well, we owe the concept of Outbreak Zero, Zero excuse me, to Mr. Michael DeLoach. Uh, Michael is a, a filmmaker who's um, worked on a number of productions in the North Carolina area over the past several years. And to make a long story short, uh, a considerable number of the projects that Michael has worked on uh, in various capacities have involved a predominantly African-American cast and crew for the most part. And one year he was watching uh, the Book of Eli at a movie theater. He, Michael, by the way, he's a he's an aficionado of science fiction and, uh, in, in particular, the post-apocalyptic genre. And the Book of Eli uh, just so happened to have an African-American lead actor, as you know, Denzel Washington. Yeah, Denzel, and at that yeah. Very same time, and at that very same time, he was working on a film production that had a predominant African-American cast and crew. So Michael entertained the idea of a post-apocalyptic world where a viral outbreak had ravaged the population and black people were the predominant, if not sole, survivors. He entertained that idea for a number of years, and he finally shared that idea with myself and Ken Watts while we, while we were shooting a project back in 2012. Uh, we had just wrapped up a particular shoot, and we were throwing some ideas around as, in regards to what would be our next. Give us, yeah, no, I'm you give me that? So that was, um, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, and so that is how that idea got off the ground. Uh, we started conceptualizing the world of Outbreak Zero as far as the characters that would exist inside this world, the dynamics of this and story arts and so forth. We did that for almost half a year uh, between 2012-2013, uh, concurrent to other projects we were working on. So a bottom line to answer your question, that's, we owe that we owe Michael DeLoach uh, a tremendous gratitude for coming up with the concept of Outbreak Zero. All right. Kenny, I'm going to switch to you now. I see your character, uh, DJ Simplistic. He's sort of a, like a Greek chorus on the show. So uh, how are you going to be preparing for, for that role? Excuse me? Yeah, so uh, I was saying, man, your your uh, your character uh, on the show is sort of a, you know, kind of the, the moral center of the show, sounds like, and it's sort of a, Kind of like a, the Greek chorus, kind of, kind of commenting on what's going on. So, so what are some of the the, the things that you're, you're going to bring to that role? How are you going to prepare for the role? Um, as far as preparing for the role, I'm just going to pretty much be natural. I'm going to pretty much be myself. Um, I'm um obligated to give a, a play by play, a rundown on everything that's going on. I would say, um, you know, on on, on a daily basis. As far as uh, communication is concerned, because it's supposed to be that's the only source of that's the only source of getting the word out. That's the only source of uh, only line of communication. There's no TV, there's no internet anymore. I don't think there's any cell phone or anything. So it's like a, a big reliance on uh, DJ Simplicity's character as far as a uh, radio personality, because that's the uh, only line of uh, communication. If I can add to that, uh, William, um, that part of the reason why we chose Kenny to play DJ Simplistic 
is Kenny by default is a very sardonic, uh, has a very sardonic, cynical personality anyway if you get to know him. And that falls in line with Simplistic's character. Uh, so, it, you know, just to kind of piggyback, just kind of ride off of what Kenny's saying there, he, um, uh, I think uh, Ken and I have talked about fashioning the character around uh, Kenny's personality. For a while, DJ Simplistic was an abstraction until um, we brought Kenny on board, and then we're just actually developing that character a little bit more than it was, than it was previously. Yeah, okay, we're going to touch a little bit more on that in a minute. So, Doris, tell me about your character, uh, Barbara Barnes. Barbara Barnes. Barbara Barnes is something else. Oh, boy, she is all about the games and just manipulating people and, you know, um, she just can't get it together. She thinks she got it together. She thinks she knows what she doing. But she, um, she just, she has a natural ability just to like ruin relationships and just be in everybody's business. Thinks she used to know it all, and she just, you know, she's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kenny, I'm gonna jump back to you. So now, uh, have you been able to like suggest any input to the script, uh, like working with Ken Watts, like you know, trying to like suggest things or kind of insert things to this to uh your character um i i've been putting i've been having input here and there i've been having input here and there but uh the bottom line like the whole concept of the show is so different it's like i'm still really trying to grasp you know grasp the whole thing to be honest mm-hmm. I'm really still trying to grasp it because it, it, i mean it's so different than the uh, typical and the ordinary so it's just you know I'm just really getting grounded with um what's at the table right now for me um as the role gets played out I definitely know that we'll tweak and twerk it around a little bit and change it up some. That's right, that's right. Okay, so Thomas, uh, now we gotta kind of have a more of a uh, concept of what's going on in the TV series now. Uh, you gotta have an antagonist. So tell me, who is this dude, Ernest Goodman? Tell, talk a little bit more about the the bad guy. Okay, well, Ernest Goodman, I wouldn't necessarily say he is the bad guy per se. It's a uh, Outbreak Zero is a very layered story, um, and you have the best way to describe Outbreak Zero is if you were to look at the American, if you look at American society in general and the black community in particular. And if you drew a line down the middle of each of the various echelons in the black community, in American society, be it the clergy, the political class, the underclass, the uh, the privileged class, the intellectual class, what have you, on, on each side of that line, you have those who are for the status quo and who benefited from the status quo or the social order as it exists now, and those who or looking or willing to examine the world that's just disintegrated before them, question the, the institutions inside of that social order. So really it's not a matter of just there being one villain per se. There are, there's, there's one side pitted against the other, that each, one, each side has vested interests. 
Uh, Ernest Goodman, to answer your question, though, he is a he is a white supremacist politician uh, played by Patrick Ferreira, and he is one of the few survivors of the outbreak. So, so he's one of the few non-black survivors of the outbreak uh, for reasons that he himself does not fully understand. But the, the the ravages of the outbreak are causing him to reevaluate his ideology. With mm. regards to uh, his ideologies revolving around superiority and race, uh, but uh, some of the other antagonists that you have are actually the, the key antagonist in season one is a guy named Barry Valentine, who is the crime lord of the black of of Southeast Greensboro, which is the predominantly black section. The show takes place in Greensboro, North Carolina. By the way, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Barry Valentine kind of the, he is the crime lord that controls all illicit activity in the area. He's kind of like the the uh, big dude on campus, and he, there's certain people who are vested interest in his, in his network, uh, one of those being Marion Pugh, uh, played by Lothario Boyd. And Lothario's character, Marion, was once Valentine's lawyer. Uh, due to the events of the outbreak, he, became, he was a councilman at the outset of the outbreak. He ends up becoming the mayor non-elect, per se. And he is, uh, the people are beginning to lose confidence in his ability to come up with practical solutions to the they fall the falling infrastructure around them, the falling social order around them. So he is reestablishing his old contacts with Barry Valentine to conserve his his uh, his, his power. And then there's Vita Randall, who's Barry's lieutenant, uh, played by Angel Housie. She is uh, his enforcer and a trained assassin from Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, those are some of your antagonists. Now, the, the protagonists, not all of them have been cast yet. Okay. Um, okay. So, but those, those are, yeah, but, so it's not just one antagonist per se. I'm going to step back and talk about some uh, social themes now. Uh, Kenny, I'm gonna, this question is for you. Now, do you think this film is like a response to some of the controversial racial incidents we've had in this country the last few years? Um, man, that's a good question. Um, how can I put it? I think that the film itself is ahead of its time, and it basically is acknowledging and embracing the possibilities of what's to happen in the future from what we saw. If that makes any sense? Yeah, exactly. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's. I hope I said it right. I think it it, it basically is ahead of its time and basically a a play out, a pan out of what can possibly happen in the near future based on what we went through overall last year and the year before that. Because uh, last year, I mean, 2014, that was a, a notable year. A lot of stuff happened, good and bad, happened in 2014, more so than the uh, prior years, you know? That's the year that stands yeah. out. 
I don't know whether it was a leap year or not. I don't know that, but it it it, it definitely um stands out. Okay. William, if I if yeah. I can also add a point to what Kenny's saying, the the outbreak zero, the the, the general concept of it, it it's more it has more or less to, uh, to do with how black people interact with each other based on the institutions that we're exposed to. Uh, yeah. Even though more so than relationships between uh, black and white or or any other race, so even though that that is dealt with as well. I mean, we hope every we go in on everyone. Let's just say that. Yeah. But the, the, <laughs> okay. We don't we we don't we we uh we don't we don't uh we we hold everyone accountable to a degree, but the. Right. The central theme of Outbreak Zero is, is to alleviate what we call the noise, per se, the distractions that prevent us from having some sense of, of introspection. Uh, and once you remove the element of white supremacy and, and racism and so forth, now you're in a, situation, a paradigm where black people for the first time are having to look at themselves, to examine themselves, to understand who they are for the first time without without any interference from any outside institution or any, any imposed institution. Yeah. So, that, well, so that, I think that's the most, the most crucial thing about Bird Sorry, Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Dory, what's your, your opinion about that? Uh, what's my opinion about it? Um, I think that once everything else, um, as far as uh, if they're the only uh, people, only you know, black people are allowed to deal with themselves. Um, the things that they are used to, you know, um, not being able to get a job, or you know, blaming it on the race, or whatever it is, you know, they they only have to look to themselves uh, for um, uh, their lives, basically. Um, as far as like. You can look at it as though it's like a reverse thing. Um, you know mm-hmm. how we had to evolve and this and that, and um, it seemed like the only cure was for the the the, the white people who were the only ones getting cured, but yet, you know, the black people were all dying. Um, it's, it's sort of like it's reverse, but you don't have, you know, anybody surviving but black people. So now... They all have to just deal with, um, you know, how they how they were raised, um, the things that they've been through, um, how how they survived. Um, a lot of the houses, cars, things that people had will be available, and mm. it's a free for all. It's a free for all game. You you know what I'm saying? It, it's the ultimate survival um, game out there now. So it's like you know going to be a lot of violence. It's going to be a lot of, I mean, it's going to be war. <laughs> it's going to be well, war. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, survival mm-hmm. of the fittest, basically. Only the strong survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, if, I, if I can also uh, shed some light on how what I, what I just stated is with regards to uh, introspection and, and self-examination uh, with regards yeah. to Dory's character in particular, Barbara. Uh, Barbara has lived life not being held accountable. Uh, 
for the havoc that she's caused in the lives of those closest to her. And, and, you know, the different men she's been involved with throughout her, you know, through her teenage years, through her adult years, she's always been able to manipulate the, the system, so to speak. Well, now that old, that system that she relied upon has disintegrated. And mm. this new system that's emerging in the world of Outbreak Zero is less sympathetic. Is, is it turns out that it, it's less sympathetic to Boss. So now there's no, you know, she can't go to any Facebook or any any on uh, Instagram and and escape. There's no the vehicles that she had to escape from the world that or the problems that she created are no longer available to her. Uh, materialism is no longer, you know, is no longer relevant because it's a free. As she said, it's a free for all. It's a level playing field on the material as far as materialism goes. So she for the so now she has to look at how her actions have affected other people around. Her. Uh, so that that's the one of the interesting things. It's a, it's a system that the 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 world that, that's going around her is one where she has to for the first time in her life be held accountable for the things that she's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Kenny, I'm gonna go back to you, man. So. Uh, why why is funding black media so important today? Why is what? Funding black media so important today. What's the question? Hello, I hear it. Heard it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it it was kind of muffled. What was that? I was saying that it's I think I think there's a uh Right now, I think it's a good idea to really fund black media, you know, like some of the independent films that got coming on, the TV shows and things like this, projects like this one. So what what's the importance of funding black media today? It's really important because uh, we can get our voice out there. We need to be able to, you know, reach out to one another and get our voice out there properly than waiting on somebody else to do it because when somebody else do it, they have all the power to dictate. Dictate policy. You know, they can tell a story any way they want it. They can start it off any way they want to start it. They can end it any way they want to end it. Without us having to say so because they're in total control of it. So uh, it's definitely important to have oh, yeah. our own voice and say so. Because, I mean, we're, we're, that, that's, that, that's a responsibility that we have, whether we like it or not, uh, you know, to. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a take responsibility in our own hands. We're entitled to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thomas, what's your take on that? Well, there, um, a wise man once told me that begging is a form of worship. Did you Did you catch yeah. that? Uh, <laughs> I'll say it again. A wise man once told me that begging is a form of worship. Yeah. Uh, every year that... Yeah. Every year, let, let me let me expound upon that. Every year that there is a Golden Globe Award, every year that there are the Emmys, every year that there are Grammys, if you travel down through the Facebook sphere, the the Twitter sphere, you get the, you get the same complaints. Who was recognized? Who wasn't recognized? And the, the 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 point of it is is that we don't control the means of production 
distribution. And we don't try to. Excuse me. We don't try to. Well, we'll move down. I, 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 that's exactly what I'm getting at. We don't. It's not. I mean, we we it's, we have to try to is what is, is the point I'm getting. At. We have to control the means of production, exploitation, and ultimately di- um, in distribution of our product, it, it, whether it's in the in in the sphere of uh, motion pictures and television. Uh, really, there ha- we ha- we have to be have industry. You know, we as a community, um, because he he who has the gold makes the rules. I mean, we don't. Um, you 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 can't dictate the the trajectory of 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 a, of a medium or or the, the 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 path that people choose to take within within an industry if you don't have any skin in the game. And, right. You know, we we we're, we're more occupied on questions that really of no of no pertinence as far as. Um, being as as far as being able to con- uh, control, uh, you know, I mean, as far as where our dollars go, we really that's that's what we really need to be looking at. We need we need to be challenge challenge that uh, one hundred trillion dollars worth of spending power that you know we're willing to give to everyone else, and um, you know, and take a small percentage of that and create and create an industry. An industry that's going to generate uh, that's going to generate jobs, and an industry that's going to um, that's going to allow us to control how we're perceived in in this in the broader in the broader world. Excuse me. Yeah, right. Yeah, Dory, what's your take on that? Why is it important? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's important because. Like Penny said, it's it's important for us to get our our voice out there to um, really uh, look at the type of um, the type of shows that we're that we're creating, um, uh, so that we can uh, better control what what it is that we're we're trying to put out there to the community, to our community, to um, you know the type of shows that we're looking to uh, produce, and um, it's real important for people to uh, fund or help fund uh, independent uh, filmmakers because that's that's who's creating these shows. That's who's uh, you know you need the money to be able to fund for you know just the type of settings and things to um, create the type of world that, that we're looking to, to do. I mean, it's a post-apocalyptic world. So everything's disarray, everything, you know, it's going to take a lot of money to create that type of uh, that type of show. And so uh, with the type of show that it is, it's, it's, not, it's not like any other show that you, you've, ever, you've ever seen. Um, mm. And um, and so I think that if people, you know, really like the idea behind uh, the show or any other independent person who's looking to um, produce a show, that they should, you know, uh, help fund it, um, help make it uh, come alive. Um, we like to sit back and, and talk about the type of shows that we see on TV 
Um, right. What about talking to the show that you actually had, um, you know, uh, help to actually, uh, you know, help to um, produce, you know, help to make come alive. You know, basically you're you're helping people's dreams, making you know dream people's dreams come true, and um, and it's a show that you you support that you can enjoy, you know. So that's what's that's what's important about it. It's just you know bring. Bring the type of TV uh, shows that you you want to see, and um, supporting uh, the uh, filmmakers that you can see potential in to to uh, produce a show that you you will enjoy, and being a part of it, and just being proud to see you know help make someone's dream come true. So yeah, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so uh, Thomas, I want to kind of uh, kind of switch gears a little bit now. So, I heard that, that this TV show is really going to be a bit of a black comedy. So, I mean, what and, and so what percentage of the show you think would be? If I watched a typical episode, how much of it would be comedy? Um, well, I think a significant part of it would be. As a dark, dark, it would, uh, you see elements of dark comedy. It's, um, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting melange of, of, of uh, a very, of a very cerebral. It's a very cerebral type of show. Uh, it's not slap. It's not slapstick. That's one thing I want to put out there. It's not. Um, and God bless the brother. I think he's a, he's, he's brilliant as far as, as his business acumen and what he's been able to do, uh, how he's been able to parlay uh, uh, his Medea character into a, a virtual empire, Tyler Perry, it's not going to be in that vein. Uh, it's not going to be, we're not going to go the Wayne and Brothers, the Wayne and Brothers route. No, that's no, it's not that kind of show. Um, yeah. it, it's a very, the, the comedy is very cerebral, uh, very, yeah. uh, but very sharp, very intelligent. Uh, but it's um, but it also has elements. Of, it's, it's a satire. Outbreak Zero is, is a satire. Uh, incorporates drama, science fiction, and very dark humor um, to make to make it a, a very social political stance about where we are right now uh, as a community in particular and as a society as a whole. Hmm. Uh, so that's the best way to describe it. it it'll be a it'll be well it'll, it'll be a well balanced type of melange that you're mm. going to witness. And let me get the logistics of the show out there. So, like, how long will the show be? How many episodes? What networks are you looking at? Uh, well, for right now, we're looking at about twelve episodes. We've um, again, we've shot the. We're looking to shoot the pilot episode. Uh, actually, we're looking at the pilot being a two-episode type of thing, uh, 40 minutes each. Um, the first one's called Elephant, uh, which is means elephant in the room. Uh, the elephant in the room being that black people are not dying at the same rate as everyone else. That's the pilot. And uh, it will segue into the second episode, which is called... Uh, What's the, I'm sorry, the second the second episode is called the blackout. Not the blackout, but it's called the um, the honeymoon. That's what it's called. Blackout is okay. episode three. Yeah, but um, 
honeymoon is where black people see that there has been a shift in power. Well, uh, that demographically they they're now the new game in town. Uh, but that is a short-lived honeymoon, as we find out. So those are the first two episodes we're, we're raising funds for. Uh, sort of like to give you an example. Most the most recent example is um, uh, Better Call Sal, the uh, the two yeah. episode premiere. That's what we're looking to do. Uh, as far as networks, um, we're everything is on the table right now. As far as uh, looking for syndicators, maybe pitching it to NHBO. Uh, or Showtime, uh, our, our actual, our, our, what would be ideal for us would be to produce the show ourselves and find a Netflix as a platform. Okay. Or, or Redbox, because that's that's how TV shows now are being marketed. They're being they're not being marketed as a as a weekly event now. Even though I think that that's not going anywhere. Um, the advantage that Ken and I see in Netflix is that. Uh, their, their subscription base as opposed to sponsor driven. The content is less. Is, 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 the, the, there's less involvement with sponsors, and uh, I think when you have that type of dynamic, uh, there's more control in terms of the content that we're able to to put out there. Um, because yeah. when you have sponsors involved, there's a lot of politics that come along with that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that that would be the ideal situation for us to release it all twelve episodes once we've produced them on a Netflix, or uh, market them via Redbox. You know, right there, uh, entire shows that are now being shown on Redbox. Um, I think House of Cards, for example, not only are they shown on Netflix, but also on Redbox, you can get the all nine, nine or twelve episodes. You can you right. can rent the you can rent the DVD or download the D, uh, download the uh, uh, not download but you can stream the episodes as well. So that that would be that's the ideal scenario for us. Hmm. Okay, we're getting down to about uh, just about eight minutes left. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about how everybody got involved in the project, and then we'll just wrap up with. Uh, you know, uh, how fans can keep up with you and uh, what projects you have coming next. So then, so Kenny, I'll start with you. Um, so how did you get involved in the project? Did you, uh, your audition? Did you, um, you know, how did you get involved? Well, uh, I'm sorry, Kenny had to get off. He had to leave the con- the uh, the conversation. So we left off. I can answer that for him, though. Um, okay. The way Kenny, yeah, Kenny found out about the project through a mutual friend who's he's based here in North Carolina in Greensboro, uh, yeah. where I'm from. And he did his due diligence. He went to the fan page. He did his research, was very intrigued by the concepts and by the work that we had done this far. And he had contacted yeah. me directly. So Kenny actually, he, he, he liked what he saw. He called me. And yeah. uh, we we had a few conversations um, up to the auditions, which we did via Skype. Uh, that was in August of last year. Uh-huh. And um, he read from myself, it was myself, Ken, uh, my line producer, or our line producer, Steve Jones, and uh, Angel Housie, who is the casting director and incidentally plays the role of Vita Randall. Uh, yeah. So he he uh, his auditions went. 
rather well. We were very impressed with his uh, with his cynicism and his uh, his sardonic character, and we said he'd be perfect for DJ Simplicity. So mm. that's kind of how Kenny got involved. Um, okay. Uh, of course, yeah, um, Dory, I'll, I'll, I'll let Dory tell her story. Yeah, yeah Dory, <laughs> what's your story? I did a um a movie called Roots uh, that was uh, directed and written by um, Brian Harris in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I traveled there to um, perform um slave woman called Lizzie in that. Um, but the star... The star actress and uh, makeup artist on that project, Shonda Peak, um, that's how I uh, met Thomas through her. Um, they connected on social. Social media is a very <laughs> good tool for <laughs> networking, connecting with people. But um, I saw that uh, Thomas uh, was uh, working on um, casting for uh, Outbreak Zero. I took a look at uh, some of his uh, short films and um, reels and things, and I I reached out to him, and he invited me to uh, audition. And um, actually, hey, Thomas, if you had me go to North Carolina to, to do this thing, I think it was, I think I traveled in three three different times. <laughs> but uh, uh, it was Thomas, three, three times, yeah. Yeah, Thomas took his time uh you know, and everybody who's involved with casting took their time with uh, deciding on who they wanted to cast. But um, I think within a three-month span time, I think that's when they they finally made the decision and told me um, they would like to work with me. But um, the character that they uh, actually uh, casted me for, they, they uh, pretty much wrote or created that uh, character for me. Though. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, uh, all right, so we're getting down to about, uh, I guess, about four minutes left. So uh, this is your time to uh, 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 plug all your projects coming up and talk about how fans can uh, keep up with you. And it's also, I'll start with you, Thomas, just talk a little bit more about the, how fans can find out more about the, the TV show and uh, how to you know, your Indiegogo campaign and all that, and uh, what you got coming up next. Okay. Uh, well, with regards to our Indiegogo campaign, there are about, um, I think, eight more days left in the campaign. Um, we, of course, are going to extend the campaign beyond the 19th. Um, for those of you who've ever used Indiegogo or Kickstarter to fund the project, you very well know that uh Campaigns only allowed 60 days, and of course, a lot of people we have been, have been wanting to donate, but due to certain extenuating circumstances like not getting their taxes and things of that sort, uh, they haven't been able to take to to contribute, and we want to make sure that they're able to have that opportunity. So we're going to uh, we're going to extend the campaign beyond the 19th, which is the deadline, but. You know, that's you know we still want people you know it, all what we're looking for is we're looking for a lot of people to do a little bit we're not looking for a few people to do a whole lot uh but with that being said the 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 link that everyone needs to keep in mind if they want to donate is outbreaktv.com forward slash donate outbreaktv.com forward slash donate and the reason I 
where we're pushing that link is because if we decide to move to another fundraising platform, like let's say a Kickstarter or GoFundMe, if we decide to move away from Indiegogo, the link will be that link will always be the same. It will always be outbreaktv.com forward slash donate. There you can see the sizzle reel interviews with the cast and crew. Basically, uh, everything concerning the series you can find out about. Uh, also, if I, I know we're running out of time here. The uh, if anyone's interested in plugging us into other news outlets, any other you know with you know that that will be a big help to us. Uh, you can find the the press release. You can forward our press release to any radio station, any newspaper, magazine, or uh, TV mm-hmm. station. Um, and that the the web the web link to the press release is www.obz.tv. That's www.obz.tv, and that's the that direct link to the press release that you can forward to various yeah, okay. outlets. Hey, we got, um, we got get yeah, Dorian here because uh, we got about two minutes. Yeah. Um, okay, no problem. Uh, I was going to say we do have a taking off of Ever Gibson is our TV series that's in, in production right now. We just aired the pilot, uh, ran it twice, and you can catch that on YouTube in, on Monday. Uh, taking off of yeah, Ever Gibson. Okay, man, we got to go. So, Dory, talk a little bit quickly about your uh, what you got coming up next, how fans can keep up with you. Oh, okay. Well, um, I just recently, I think last summer, I did a um, play called uh, when, when Love is Not Enough. I played character, uh, a starting character called Dana. And uh, I think they're looking to uh, tour with this play. And that, I have that coming up, I guess, within the summer, around the summertime. Um, written by the geologist by Raw Talk Entertainment. Check them out. They're doing good things. And um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook. And you just use my name, Dory Marie, um, under the same name for all places on social media. So. All right. <laughs> Okay, Terrence, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I definitely want to keep up with the TV series, and we'll have you on again. And uh, just thank you for uh, uh, a great interview. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Right. Everybody, please go and donate. Uh, only if, if only but a dollar. So I said a dollar. And um, if we have everybody who's listening tonight, we might even make it halfway there. So. All right. All right. That's when I'm right here. Okay. Y'all have a blessed night. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. All right, folks. So let me leave you this quote quickly from uh, Lee Strasberg, the classic acting coach from back in the day. He was Al Pacino's acting coach. He was played Harmon Roth in Godfather Two. He said, "Acting isn't something you do. Instead of doing it, it occurs." Good night. <laughs>